My name is Nick Wagner Sr. And I am the creator of the Full Potential Podcast. So thanks for uh, listening to the Full Potential Podcast. And I have the pleasure of speaking to Shannon Malkin Daniels. Uh, Really excited to have the opportunity to speak with you, Shannon. Thank you for making the time tonight. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. So according to your LinkedIn, you are an entrepreneur, a public speaking and communication guru, and an author. And one thing that really stood out to me, and I had to ask you this before you tell us a little bit more about yourself, is you are someone who loves getting up and talking in front of a crowd. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Which is probably, I think, uh, like in the uh, grand scheme of fears for you know, for, for people, I think like heights and public speaking are two of like the top ones. So we'll have to, we'll have to dive into that a little bit more as, as we kind of get into the, the, the podcast. But if you could just share with the audience a little bit about, you know, who is Shannon uh, and what do you, what do you do and how did you get there? That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, as you said, I'm Shannon and I have a startup that is called Incaptive and it is a presentation, sales, and marketing all in one platform that I'm building. And we'll get more to that later. But how I got here has been a really long and windy journey. I originally wanted to be an architect and I actually went to a special school, high school within my high school for architecture and design called the Engineering and Manufacturing Institute of Technology. And that's where I learned about engineering and design engineering. And so I got really excited about that. I was always obsessed with cars. So I said, wow, I can go to school and instead of learning to design houses, I can design um, cars and planes and rocket engines. So I went Which are all pretty cool. Yes, very cool. So I was the only girl in power and transportation technology during high school. And my my CO2 cars went faster than the boys. And I could take apart an engine and put it together faster than all the boys. And the teacher used to make fun of all the boys in the class because the girl was beating them. Um, <laughs> but uh, I loved this whole problem solving, creating something out of nothing, dreaming up ideas aspect and things that would have a practical use. So I originally went to school for aerospace and mechanical engineering at the University of Central Florida and was in school, loving all my engineering and design classes, but not so much my math classes. And math is very important for engineering. (laughs) And I just struggled with it. I, I didn't enjoy it. And really, I had this turning point where I was in the campus pool hall And I was there with some other engineering students when we were paying per person by the hour to rent a pool table. And we had all of our books strewn out across the pool table trying to figure out an extra credit problem that was worth something like a tenth of a point. And three or four hours later, I was like, this is not for me. (laughs) I am not enjoying math. I would rather be playing pool and socializing with people. So there's got to be a different route that I can go. And so... I changed my major multiple times, finally sat down with an advisor and figured out, wow, I really like communication. I really like marketing. So I changed my major to liberal studies and majored in, you get to pick different majors and squish them together. And I did communication, marketing, and writing and really, really loved the communication aspect. And as we talked about, I love getting up in front of people and talking. So 
I said, wow, I can really do a lot with this. And the more I got into it, there's two aspects of communication. There's interpersonal communication and then there's mass communication, which is more your advertising and public relations stuff. I really fell in love with the interpersonal aspect because there's a lot of psychology behind it. And it gets into the why we communicate, the way we communicate and how the self is formed and how communication shapes the world around us and our relationships. And so I said, wow, I can really use this for a lot of things. And so I went back and got my master's in that and then had a career in marketing and sales and worked my way up and led marketing and sales teams, was a corporate project manager for a while, and then kind of bounced around in the insurance and healthcare industries. And over time, it wasn't that I wasn't in love with marketing and sales, but I really loved the aspect. Something that's always fulfilled me ever since I was a kid is the aspect of being able to help others. And being a manager was really fulfilling and being able to coach others and help others reach their full potential was what made me happiest. And I found that the higher I climbed that ladder and the more money I was making, the less and less happy I was because it was focused on things that were more about just driving a bottom line necessarily than helping others and growing how that an works, organization. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so I kind of did a little bit of soul searching and I had had some health battles over the years and turned to food and nutrition to heal myself. And I went back to school and got a certification in health coaching. And there was a lot of lifestyle stuff in there. And my background in interpersonal communication gave me a lot of psychology and ways to help people help themselves. So I started health and life coaching on the side. And I was finding a lot of enjoyment in that because it was back to helping people come out of themselves, get out of their own way, reach their goals, accomplish things, feel better, be healthier. And I started writing a book along the way as well. It's a childhood dream I've always had. And something I've always wanted to accomplish is write a book, write a book. And so I started writing a book, but I found as I was writing this book, I'm sitting there going to this job every day that's pulling me down. I'm unhappy. I'm happier with the stuff I'm doing on the side. And I said, I need to take my own advice. <laughs> I need to just take a leap of faith here. Go write my book. I need to go help people in the way that I want so that they can be successful. And so I left my job and followed my dreams. And I'm not going to lie, it was scary as hell. <laughs> I didn't know. I went from a really solid six-figure income to spending all my money and my time trying to write a book and finish it. And I did it. That's one of my greatest accomplishments, in my opinion, is that I was able to write this book. I put it out on Amazon. Never really did any mu much in the way of promotion or anything. But I will randomly, I've sold books all over the world. And I'll randomly get emails from people in different corners of the world telling me how this book, that it, it's called Water Yourself, a practical guide to weed out the bad, get more good and live your dreams. It's really about the step-by-step -step process of how to take control of your life and how to do more of the things you love and get rid of those things that you don't and how to set and accomplish goals, not just set them. And I'll get just emails from people saying how they read the book and it changed their lives. And it's That's just, super cool. 
it's it's the best thing ever it's really the best thing ever so 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 you had this you had a great corporate career steady income making good money gave up all that wrote a book you know that's a huge obviously change in in your career trajectory uh and like really kind of listen to your own advice um it, at what point, I mean, so it, it, it was that the point you really decided like you're an entrepreneur was when you started the book, you know, writing the book and finishing that? Yeah, you know, there were some struggles along the way. And I'm sure other entrepreneurs that are listening are going, yeah, entrepreneurship is a giant struggle. And so I was doing the coaching on the side. And I think I was still kind of figuring out that I was an entrepreneur. I think I always knew in my heart of hearts that I was an entrepreneur. I was the person who never felt like I belonged anywhere. And I always felt like I had a million different ideas that corporate just stifled or couldn't be done because of all the red tape or it was too risky. And so when I started working for myself, I worked out of my house and I found that kind of lonely. So I found a co-working space, the Stanford Innovation Center, and made some friends there and started to realize these are my people. This is my community. These people are like me. We're all these just outsiders that have a million ideas and are going to do whatever it takes to make these ideas become a reality. Oh, and by the way, it's not this competitive thing to see who's going to get the promotion or who's going to win. It's everybody supporting everybody and lifting each other up in this amazing community. And I think once I got into that community and really started spending every day amongst entrepreneurs, that's when it really clicked that, you know, this is for me. I'm an entrepreneur at my heart. I started to learn that health and life coaching wasn't what I wanted to do, but I knew that I had to be an entrepreneur. And there were many times where I'd struggle because what I was trying to do wasn't working out financially. It wasn't quite the right thing. It wasn't scalable enough. It wasn't repeatable enough. And I'd have hard conversations with my husband about, okay, what are we going to do about income? We've blown through all this money starting a business. You know, we might want to start thinking about going back to work, but every time I start to apply for jobs, I would just cry. I felt like my soul was being sucked out of me and I just knew that's not where I should be. I needed, I'm an entrepreneur. No, I mean, and, and, and I, I used to own my own business and multiple businesses and sold, sold one of them. And so I totally get it, but I, I will say that I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs that, that end up being entrepreneurs say this, your experiences in both school and your corporate jobs, absolutely help you on a daily basis i'm sure you've noticed in as being an entrepreneur right because you learn so many things in the corporate world that i think a lot of entrepreneurs um that, that never never go that route might not realize so i think that probably definitely gave you um some, some some good information to kind of fall back on oh absolutely and in my career i i started at the bottom worked my way up i have done, I've been in marketing departments. I've been in sales departments. I've run sales and marketing departments. I've been a corporate project manager doing everything from technology projects to working with 
um, regulatory bodies doing things like Sarbanes-Oxley and the USA Patriot Act. And so I've had this wide range of things that I've done. And then also when I left corporate as well, I did something else that I always wanted to do, which is teach at the college level. So I've been teaching communication at uh, the college level off and on for the past five years now. And all of those experiences taught me something exactly. that it becomes so incredibly valuable and what I'm doing as an entrepreneur, even the failed attempts at entrepreneurship and the changes in the way I was working, I went from, like I said, health and life coaching, then I became a communication coach. And then I, people kept asking me to help with their marketing. So I did communication and marketing and, <coughs> excuse me, and eventually came back just focusing on communication and through all this roundabout way and teaching and being in the corporate world, running sales and marketing departments, being an entrepreneur, feeling the struggles, the pain points, seeing what people are struggling with as a coach of someone who coaches communication and public speaking. That's where this idea for Uncaptive came from. And I wouldn't have been able to come up with this idea unless I had experienced all of those things. No, I think that's well said. I think this you know, I think this brings you back to your roots, right? to be honest with you. I mean, you, you were, you were an, you wanted to be an engineer originally, which is a problem solver. And that's exactly what you're doing within captive owning your own tech startup is solving problems and being an engineer all over again. So I want to hear a little bit about what is in captive and like, where did the idea come from and, and where are you guys in the process today? Yeah, absolutely. So in captive is, just the most exciting thing to me. And you're right. It does bring me right back to my roots. I'm engineering something, but in a different way. And I'm doing it in an area that I'm so incredibly passionate about, which is communication. And there's a lot of things that really brought me to the idea. And I'll get to what Incaptive actually is in a minute. But it, what really brought me around to the idea is a culmination of things. So one is this pain that I kept seeing and feeling over and over myself as an entrepreneur. Two is what I was hearing from other people. So I'll tell you a quick little story, which was led up really to my aha moment. So I was working with a client that I've been working with off and on for the past couple of years on public speaking. And she had a big presentation training session coming up. And so we had worked on her deck. We had practiced her delivery. We had gone through everything. So she knew exactly what she was going to do and how she was going to do it. And then the day before she called me in a panic and she's going, well, I know we practiced this and we got it down and we've got the deck. We know everything's good, but what do I do if people have questions. What's the best way to handle question and answer? Is it during or after? Now I want to make it more interactive, but how do I make it interactive and conversational without the presentation going off the rails or getting hijacked by someone? All right. Now what do I do about the projector? Do they have the projector? Do I bring the projector? Do I need to bring cords? What about a clicker? What about this? What about that? And it was a just rapid fire question. And, 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 and we wonder why people are so afraid of public speaking. Yes. Right. <laughs> so it's all these rapid fire questions. And then the final question was really, okay, so how do I, this is my introductory opportunity. 
how do I take it to the next level? Because what I really want to do is get them to sign up for my long-term services. So I was thinking, okay, there's PowerPoint. That's what everybody uses, but PowerPoint is not interactive. And PowerPoint is a great and powerful tool when it's used properly, but it's lacking in some areas. And so I started Googling and looking for a better solution, looking for all these things that I wanted, like interactivity, having speaker notes front and center instead of tiny at the bottom of the screen, getting someone to be able to step away from the screen instead of standing behind it and seeing their notes. And as someone also who teaches public speaking, I see students just glued to this computer or glued behind the podium. Right. People get attached to their slides people start using their slides as notes instead of what they're supposed to be, which is a visual aid. So <laughs> as someone who studies and teaches communication, I was looking for something that did all of that and included in some interactivity. Oh, and by the way, when you're presenting, you're guessing at what your audience likes. You're guessing at, are they engaged? Are they not engaged? who's engaged, who's not engaged. You're guessing at which content they're finding important or relevant and which content is boring them or where you're losing them. You're just trying to read your audience based on intuition. And some people are good at that, but it still doesn't give you the data and information. So I was looking for all of those things in a software and I couldn't find it. So I sat down one day and I said, I'm going to make it. So I ambitious. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not a tech person. So, but I know, I know communication and I wanted a software that not only helped make presentations easier and less anxiety inducing, but more interactive and helped to promote good presentation habits instead of bad presentation habits. So drew it out in InDesign and took and started showing the, my drawings around and people were unanimously saying, when can I sign up? And my response was, no, this is just a drawing on a piece of paper. Okay. I know, but when are you going to make it so I can sign up? <laughs> and so I started shopping the idea around more and kept getting the same feedback, started to build a team around me. And then I built a rapid prototype and a prototyping software, Proto.io. Again, I'm not a tech person. It was easy enough to use to make something that could click and work. And unanimously, when we went out and did testing, it was, when can I sign up for it? And the software kind of evolved over time. And then as I was in the process of developing this, I was going out and giving presentations of my own. And that's one of my, presenting is one of the best ways to market a business. And so I was out there presenting, marketing my business. And at the end, I noticed I'm giving these presentations. People are excited at the end. They're going, when can I sign up? Yes, I'm going to schedule my consultation or yes, I'm going to schedule an appointment with you or whatever it was that I was asking them to do on my call to action. And I'd have 15, 20 people say that. Then they'd leave the room and only one maybe two would actually sign up. And I started researching that and going, it's because their motivation is walking out the door with them. Wouldn't it be great if we could convert them 
when they're sitting right here in the room, whether that's getting them to sign up for the email newsletter or scheduling an appointment with you or liking you on Facebook or following you on Twitter or donating to a charity or a cause, wouldn't it be great if they could just click a button and do it right then and there? So what Incaptive really is, is it's a presentation software, but also a sales and marketing tool because we are taking the presentations from the big screen and putting them onto the small screen. Everybody's got a web-enabled device in their pocket now. So as a presenter, you can pull your cell phone out or you can use a tablet or laptop, whatever you prefer, and say, everybody go to this URL and join my presentation. And when you change slides, it changes on their devices. They can do interactive polls. The audience members can ask you live questions. And on top of it, they're giving you live feedback right from their devices through the use of emojis. And then what Encaptive does is it calculates each and every audience member's level of engagement as they're sitting right there in the room. And then at the end of the presentation, when I have a call to action, maybe I have several different call to actions. It, well, we'll use the example of giving a, giving a talk on a book, right? At the end, some people may want to buy the book because they're really engaged. Others may not be quite ready to buy the book, but may be ready to sign up for, a, for my newsletter. And others may not do any of that. Maybe they'll take a feedback survey. So what Incaptive will do is calculate each individual person's level of engagement so that when you hit that conversion button, if you're really engaged, you're going to get the offer to buy my book. But if the person next to you is not feeling it, they might get the feedback survey to tell me what I can be doing better. That's really cool. Targeted conversion right there when they're in the room. And then afterward, now as a presenter, you don't have to send out the slides and all the information. Audience members can log right in, see the slides. If they took any notes, they can see their notes. They can see slides they bookmarked. They can see the questions they asked. All that information will be readily available to them online. And then as the presenter, you will have all the data and analytics. You'll know who was engaged, at what point in time they were engaged. If they're coming in and out of your presentation, you're going to know that. You can break it down on a slide-by-slide level and see which content you've got a lot of questions on, which ones you've got a lot of likes and loves on, and where you got your boards and confused. So you can really start to tailor your presentations and then watch as your presentation engagement scores change over time as well. Yeah, so it's, that's that real-time feedback that's going to help people continue to improve, which is great. Yep. So I, I, um, as a follow-up, so you know, you've been at this for, according to LinkedIn, it'll be a year next month that you've been doing in captive. Yes. Uh, and you said it's evolved since you began. So, and you mentioned rapid prototyping. So how have you, how have you incorporated feedback into what you're building and, and, and kept changing and almost um, iterating on the idea? Like, how do you guys, are you guys using agile, um, you know, software development? How's that working? Yeah, we're using agile software development. Um, we're working with, there's, the captive team itself is seven of us at this point in time, two of which are technical. Um, we have our founding partner, Josh, uh, and then we also have Emmanuel, and they're both software engineers, and they're working on development. But then we also have a third-party development team that's working with us to push us through the Agile process, project manage it, do development, UI, UX. And the way we've worked this over time from prototype to where we are now is 
through, you know, let me back up. We know ultimately we're not, yes, this came out of an idea in my head that I put down on a piece of paper, but ultimately I'm not developing a product for me. I'm developing a product or we're developing a product for the people that are going to be using it, our end users. Right. Uh, That makes sense. And so what we did is with the first version of the prototype, we called in all kinds of different end users. We called in, we had the ex-CFO of HBO come in. We had the senior vice president for product development for MasterCard Worldwide come in. We had lawyers come in. We had entrepreneurs come in. We had salespeople come in. We had students come in. We had teachers come in. And we walked them through the prototype and demo and then asked them a series of open-ended questions. And we did this one-on-one to avoid groupthink. And we took all their feedback and then we sat in a room and we hammered through that and we looked for trends in the feedback. And also we looked for what were they saying was really cool or what was missing. And if there was patterns there, we pulled that in too. And we started to modify the product based on that. Then we did another prototype based on all that first round of feedback and went out and did another round of feedback. And that also helped us not only develop the product further and make changes to the product to get it to something that the end users wanted and would use. It also helped us prioritize the features that we were going to roll out first and also really understand who our true target market was, who was going to be most likely to use this, what were they willing to pay for it, all of that kind of stuff. No, that makes sense. So I want to, I want to pivot a little bit. You are obviously one determined woman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is clear from our conversation. So, you know, who are, who are the role models that you had growing up that kind of molded you into who you are today? You know, that's always a tough question for me to answer. For me, growing up, my dad was always my hero. And he just, hard work was always his mantra is, you know, never give up, always learn from your mistakes, work hard, you know, keep plowing forward. And you can really, I know every parent tells their child this, but you can do anything you set your mind to. But my dad really believed it. And my dad also was not afraid to admit when he was wrong or mistakes, and he wasn't scared to pivot. Once he learned something new, he was always open to learning something new and changing. And I'll never forget, there were times when I was a teenager and off to college and was in my young 20s where we had fundamental disagreements on certain things. And my dad came back after the disagreement and said, you know what? I learned from you today. I'm your dad, but you taught me. You're the teacher. And that that level of respect and that ability to understand it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to change. You don't have to always dig in your heels was really an important lesson for me. And he always was constantly learning and trying new things. And he wasn't afraid to fail. Like he loved flea marketing and he taught himself so much about antiques and interesting things. And he'd take me to the flea market with him when I was younger, well, my whole life, I went to the flea market with him and he would go and he would find these treasures on these tables 
he'd pay 25 cent for something and we'd walk away and he'd go, this is worth $150. <laughs> and so, but he learned that by trial and error, by spending money and learning, oh, this one was a dud, by reading books, by educating himself. And so I always really looked up to that and looked up to him and his positive attitude and his constant, you know, need to learn and grow and change and adapt. No, that, that's, that's well said. So thank you. So I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. And then I do want to make a note that we will absolutely put uh, your website in the, in the show notes. So any of the listeners can go check out in captive and, and read more about you and the team and what you guys are working on. So we'll absolutely include that the URL there for you. But, you know, I always close, close the podcast with, you know, I'd love for you to give advice to my listeners on, you know, what, what, what is something that you would share with everyone to help people reach their full potential? Something that you've learned along the way or something that you've done that's been, that's worked well for you advice that you'd give to everyone else. The biggest advice that I can give, there's a couple of things. One is believe in yourself, right? If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. You have to have confidence in who you are and what you believe in and stand by that because that's what will make you a leader because nobody follows anyone that is wavering or is not fully confident in where they're going. Right. So just be really confident in your confidence or sorry, be really confident in your talents, be really confident in your abilities. And if you truly believe in something, then go for it and don't be afraid to fail. Some of the most successful people have failed over and over and over and over again and got denied over and over again. I forget the number, but J.K. Rowling got turned down for Harry Potter tons of times and was told no. And she just kept sending it out there. And look at her now, right? She's got theme parks and and best-selling books and um stuff that you know people are buying wands and capes and everything right. and they no, want to absolutely. be harry potter so just don't give up trust in yourself trust in your abilities have that confidence and the other thing that i would really say is don't go it alone and this is something that i learned the hard way and also that has been key in making and captive move forward the way it has is don't go it alone rely on other people, ask for help, build a community and it, make sure it's not a one-way thing. You know, there's so many times where I just stop what I'm doing, roll up my sleeves and go help another entrepreneur just because they need the help. I may not have the time or the energy that day, but if someone really needs me and they're reaching out, then I go help them because I know it may not be that day. It may not be a month or a year from now. I know that I'm putting that out into the universe and that's going to come back to me. And it has within captive and with everything that I've done as an entrepreneur, this community of friends and peers, I, I call them really my entrepreneurial family has been what's helped drive me and propel me forward to success. And anytime I bump up against something, anytime I hit an obstacle, that help has been crucial. So ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I think that's great advice. And I think, unfortunately, there's many, there's many times that people believe that asking for help is a sign of weakness. And I completely agree with you. I, I don't think it is at all. I think 
Uh, I think the, the smart ones are the ones that ask for help because they know they don't know everything and they need other people to help them. So I think, I think that's well said. So again, thanks for making the time. I know obviously you're an extremely busy woman being a tech entrepreneur, but uh, you made time to, to be on the podcast, which is fantastic. So thank you. Thanks for and, having me. Well, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to check in uh, to see how things are going. Maybe, you know, uh, early next year and kind of get an update and we'll go from there. Thank you for listening to the Full Potential Podcast brought to you by Nick Wagner Sr. If you would like to connect via social media, you can find me on both Twitter and LinkedIn.